Chapter twenty eight of Paul, a Herald of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter twenty eight A Messenger of the Most High. We have rid ourselves of the blasphemers, it is true, but alas, I fear me that our duty hath been but poorly performed. Eliphaz, ruler of the synagogue in Pisidian Antioch, wagged his head gently from side to side, as though his feelings were too deep for utterance. "'In what hath we failed? Surely Israel hath triumphed gloriously. Our enemies have departed, weighed down with defeat and humiliation, Jehovah be praised. I myself saw the men, as they passed out from the city gates, followed by a filthy rabble of dogs and Gentiles, who, despite the driveling flattery of the knaves, were not slow to pursue them with stones and curses.' "'Would that they had stoned the life out of them!' cried Eliphaz with sudden energy. "'Hear, sons of Abraham! We have sent forth this foul heresy, which is even as a deadly serpent, threatening to smother in its sinuous coils the body of suffering Israel, and in this we have sinned. We should rather have dealt with them according to the law, and the law is death.' "'Impossible, my brother, without the Roman authority,' objected one of the council mildly. The men had transgressed no law of Roman making, which is the only law you cursed recognize. Eliphaz rolled up his eyes to heaven. How long, O Lord, how long? he wailed, wringing his bony hands and beating upon his breast. The counsellors gazed at him with respectful admiration. What zeal, what holy zeal, they murmured. Ah, oh, what a godly man is our ruler, Eliphaz, son of Eliad. The son of Eliad ceased to beat upon his breast after a time. He sat quite motionless, with closed eyes. His brother officials pulled at their venerable beards in silence. "'I am going to the city of Iconium,' said Eliphaz presently, in the feeble voice of one exhausted by his emotions. "'The blasphemers have gone thither.' The counsellors looked at one another in rapturous surprise. What a wonderful man was this ruler of theirs! Truly was there any knowledge to which man could attain that he had not already grasped?' I shall expose them there, continued Eliphaz slowly, opening his small gray eyes. I shall accomplish their death. Jehovah be praised, exclaimed the council in a chorus. Iconium in the midst of its green oasis stands like a sentinel on the border of that interminable waste of bleak and dreary upland which stretches away to meet the distant ranges of snow-clad mountains. A pleasant and peaceful spot was a little city, where life flowed smoothly on most days of the year. Yet within the waxing and waning of a single moon, the place had become the scene of a strange warfare, carried on, it is true, with only tongues for weapons. But is it not written, The tongue is a little member, but boasteth great things. It came to pass at length in Iconium that all the inhabitants of the city, as many as could wield this small but mighty weapon, were divided into two factions, betwixt which the battle raged unremittingly. What then had happened? Two strangers, upon whose heads rested the mysterious flame of the Spirit, whose lips also had been touched with a live coal from off the altar, had kindled this fierce outburst with but a few plain and simple utterances. Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of the Most High God, the Messiah. He was slain upon the cross, but God hath raised him from the dead. He hath fulfilled the law. In him alone is forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. And those that would took of the bread and water of life, and were healed forthwith of the maddening pangs of soul-hunger. But to them who would not, the words sounded like the babbling of demoniacs. 
These men are true prophets, cried one from out of the multitude. Behold the wonders of healing wrought by their hands. Oh, foolish and blind, wailed Eliphaz from the steps of the synagogue. These men also led after them a base rabble of the accursed in Antioch, and were expelled from out our city, clad with shame as with a garment. Children of the devil are they, and through the powers of darkness they work these seeming cures. Beware, lest tomorrow these sick folk whom they have defiled with their touch perish in torments. The mob, composed of Jews and the dregs of the foreign population, needed no urging. Stopping only to gather up the loose paving stones from the street, they rushed with a howl toward the great central square of the city, where the strangers had been wont to preach the multitudes. Rend the wretches limb from limb! Stone them! Knive them! But the strangers were nowhere to be found. Warned of the murderous designs against them, they had quietly left the city some hours before, and were well away on the road to Lystra, a small town forty miles distant. There was no synagogue in the mountain village of Lystra, but a temple to Jupiter reared its walls just outside the gates, where the primitive inhabitants were wont to implore the favor of their guardian deity. After some consultation, the travelers asked leave to speak to the people in the marketplace. Permission being readily granted, they proclaimed to the wandering villagers the glad tidings of the cross. Among those that listened eagerly once and again, the keen eye of Paul noted a wretched cripple, who was fetched to the marketplace day by day that he might ask alms of the passers-by. As the beggar listened for the third time to the wondrous story of Jesus, Paul perceived that singular shining in his eyes, which indeed cannot be hid, for it is the light of heaven. The man hath faith to be healed, he thought within himself, and fixing his compelling eyes upon the cripple, he said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. Immediately the man leapt up and walked. A wondrous miracle, cried one of the spectators in the rustic speech of Lyconia. Behold, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. Paul and Barnabas, perceiving that they could speak no further with the people because of the uproar, yet understanding nothing of what was being said, retired to their lodging place. Footnote. The apostles' discourse to the Lyconians was doubtless delivered in the Greek tongue, which was universally understood at that day, but the people in their excitement very naturally lapsed into the native vernacular. End of footnote. Was I not oppressed with awe when the venerable stranger approached me, said the chief man of the village, gesticulating violently in his excitement. Behold his majestic sight, his flowing beard, his benignant front. Lo, our guardian Zeus hath visited his people in human form. O wondrous day, O blessed day, cried the multitude in ecstasy. And the youngest stranger, broke in another, with his fiery eyes, his eloquent tongue, and his small agile figure, who should this be save the messenger? Hermes, whoever attends the sovereign Zeus, and who hath graciously given from the divine power of his winged feet to the feet which never have walked. Let us do them honor straightway, lest they be offended and smite us in their wrath, counseled the priest of Jupiter, who had been fetched with haste to the scene of the miracle. Selecting from among their herds the snow-white bullocks, reserved from the great triennial festival of the Olympic deities, the priests brought them with solemn chanting before the gates, where was assembled a festive crowd of citizens, eager to do honor to the divine visitants. Quickly they formed into line, the priests walking in front leading the victims, wreathed and garlanded. Then followed in good order, citizens on foot, armed with spear and shield, with others on horseback, the old men of the village bearing olive branches, and the wives of the chief men laden with votive offerings. After these walked young virgins, two by two, carrying baskets containing the sacred knives and vessels to be used in the forthcoming sacrifice. 
last came the humbler matrons and young children every face shone with joy every voice was upraised in the sacred hymn of thanksgiving as a little procession wound through the village streets towards the house where lodged the two strangers hearest thou the sound of rejoicing gracious divinity said the man of the house approaching his guest with deep reverence i pray thee heaven-born stranger who hast honoured my humble roof with thy presence speak now with thine august companion before whose face i scarce venture to stand and tell him that the priests and the people are approaching with sacrifices to do him honour Paul looked up in sudden consternation from the parchment roll which he was studying. "'Surely thou dost mistake,' he began. Then he stopped short. The sounds of loud, joyous voices and the lowing of oxen floated in at the open window. "'Tell me,' he said sternly, turning to his host who was staring at Barnabas with wide reverent eyes, "'what do the people take us to be?' "'Do not be angry with me, O Hermes, if the people have discovered thy divinity, hidden though it be beneath the veil of flesh.' wailed the man, sinking to his knees. "'Hermes!' cried Paul in amaze. "'O foolish man! What hath bewitched thee?' He grasped his companion by the arm. "'They think us gods!' he said hurriedly. "'Come, let us go forth to them!' "'Behold the gods!' cried the multitude, which had gathered about the house. The cry was echoed by a jubilant shout from the approaching procession. "'Sirs!' cried Paul in a loud voice, rending his garments as he ran among them why do ye these things they are not minded to reveal their divinity my children said the priest of jupiter solemnly nevertheless it is fitting that we do them sacrifice not so i declare to you that we also are men of like passions with you we proclaim to you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living god who made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein the priests had fallen back now and were staring suspiciously at the speaker God, in times past, suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he left not himself without witnesses, in that he did us good, and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. The priest turned resolutely away, leading the votive offerings. There is some strange mystery here, they said. We will slay the beast before the temple and consult the entrails. What hath happened in your city today? asked a bearded and turbaned stranger, politely accosting one of the inhabitants who was following the retreating priests. For I perceive by the commotion in your streets that it is a matter of no small moment. A matter of no small moment indeed, answered the man solemnly. Two strangers who have tarried in our town for three days past, who have also spoken strange things and hard to be understood, performed a miracle in our midst, the like of which was never seen in these parts. But when we would have done them reverence, supposing them to be gods, they refused to listen to us, and proclaimed some strange deity, calling upon us to forsake the gods of our fathers, which have protected us from the days of old even until now. At that, the newcomer rent his clothes. Alas! he cried in a loud voice. The deceivers who have wrought ruin in Iconium and in Antioch have come hither also. No unhappy Lystrians, that these men are foul blasphemers, children of the wicked one will assuredly lead you away into eternal death if you resist them not. Blasphemers! Sorcerers! Murderers! The blasting words ran like fort lightning among the sullen, disappointed crowd. If you would save yourselves from the wrath of the great God, cried the stranger, slay these men and cast them forth from your walls. As in Icodian, the people needed no second bidding. 
Arming themselves with stones, they rushed back to the spot, where but an hour since they had stood with joyous faces, chanting their simple hymns of thanksgiving. Paul was still speaking to the few who had lingered behind, and upon him they fell savagely. A whirlwind of sticks, stones, and dust, a smothered groan, savage shouts and imprecations, frightened shrieks and sobs from the onlooking women and children, and all was over. The loud-mouthed liar will trouble Lystra no more, said a brawny present with an oath, as he wiped the dust from his face. So perish all enemies of the law, murmured the turban and bearded strangers. But come, let us hasten. We be already grievously defiled by the touch of these idolaters. And having accomplished their pious purpose, they went their peaceful way to their own cities. Outside the walls of Lystra in the dim twilight, a weeping group gathered about the motionless body of a man which lay upon the ground. It cannot be that he is dead, wailed the beggar whom he held. It cannot be, it cannot be. Let me try this fresh water, said a gentle voice in the ear of Barnabas, as he crouched quite bewildered with grief at the sight of his stricken comrade. It may be that he is only stunned. Ah, uh, see, I am sure that he stirred. Presently the dim eyes opened, and the voice which no one of them had hoped to hear again murmured, It is a faithful saying. If we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. End of chapter 28